a Lifetime Original Podcast. Once upon a time, there was a pretty girl in Indianapolis with long flowing hair. Look, I read a book this week. <laughs> I love a Lifetime movie. Come on, y'all. Let's have some fun. What's seeing stuff gonna do in a court of losses? Were you also shocked, Megan Reeds? Most toes are too short for a ring. That's the thing. Great, you're working too hard. You know, how do you have time for all this sex? She's a liability. I was thinking about prosecutorial misconduct. Your Honor, this is ridiculous. What do they want? For her to deny reading minds under oath? But fine. Make her swear on a stack of Bibles. Julian, don't. It's... I'll do it myself. No, Julian. But... Holly! <sighs> Holly Winters, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Can I talk to you? Just answer the question. Okay. Now, Miss Winters, <laughs> will you please tell everyone in this room is there any truth to the charge that you have used uh, ESP to gain an unfair advantage in this case? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I Love a Lifetime Movie. I am one of your hosts, Naomi Ekparrigan, here with a woman who reads a book a week and will not be bullied. Wow. Will not be bullied. Megan Gailey. <sighs> Hi, Naomi. Naomi's bringing that up because our beloved producer, Aisha, said that she met a Naomi fan <laughs> at the Naomi show who is a listener and that one of the one of the only things he said to her was were you also shocked Megan Reeds <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so hurt are you I'm hurt? So hurt I think it's not it's it's not a, you do not give dumb you don't give airhead I just truly said I was like a book a week is so much and I think of you as one of the busiest people in the world. And I'm like, like, and I'm even somebody who used to like books. I was an English major. I chose to read. You can't get me to finish nothing now, Megan Gailey. Okay, so I just started a new book maybe two days ago, Monagatha mm -hmm. Christie. Wow, classic. And so I will let, I'll let everyone know when I'm finished. I started it on, what is it, Saturday? Mm -hmm. We're now here on Monday, and, and I'm going to see how long it takes me. Okay, I love that. I love to know that. While you're reading Agatha Christie, I'm watching Midsummer Murders, which is basically just Agatha Christie in the English countryside. Well, and you know what's funny, too, is so we're, we are now on the other side of... We're in 2023. Yes. Hello, future. <laughs> 2023 is going to be incredible for us. This podcast and all of you. Wow. That is that is wow. what I am. I believe it. Megan manifesting said it. Megan said it. I out believe into the it. world. But Naomi and I are actually physically back here in 2022. Yeah. I can. I have not gotten good at saying 2022 because I go 2022. <laughs> like I forget it every time. And so White Lotus just wrapped yes, up last yes. night, and I'm I'm like two behind, so I got to catch up. But it is Agatha Christie. Like mm. it is, it is silly to bad things happening to rich people. Okay, and That's it's fine. modern Agatha where you go. Yeah, if this was at a Holiday Inn, I'd be devastated. But we're at this <laughs> well, luxury resort. For rich people, you're like, take them down. I know. Well, very funny comedian, Carrie O'Donnell. You know, someone was like, where should the next White Lotus be? And he was like, the Poconos. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Then the stakes would be high. Then I would actually yeah. be like, no, I don't want anyone caught. I really would like them to get away with whatever they're doing. This is a big trip for these people. I'm sure you do. But do you follow Americana at brand memes? I do not. But I see them all the time. Uh 
God, they're, I think, a top account. And if so if you don't live in Los Angeles, the references aren't going to make sense to you, but they're very funny to us that live here. And they posted that the next season three should be, you know, those two (laughs) Holiday Inn Towers in Burbank. Oh, God. Uh, they just really crack me up. You guys, if you, Americana is an outdoor mall here. And you know, LA loves an outdoor mall. All right. Speaking of mysteries, we are bringing you a throwback, okay? It's 2023, but this movie is in 2005. And it is called Mind Over Murder. And it stars Tori Spelling and Dean McDermott. If that's not 2005, I don't know what it is. If you have not seen it, which you need to, here's the breakdown. Holly Winters is an unhappy in love prosecuting attorney. LOL. After suffering a serious head injury, she gains the psychic power to read minds and decides to use this newfound power to catch a killer. You guys, this is what I'm talking about. This is the OG. This is Lifetime, I think. Classic Lifetime, hitting its stride, being as fun as possible, I would say. Absolutely. Wait, so Naomi, I was like, oh, I need to I need to look up what Dean McDermott is from. That is her husband? Yes, but I her didn't know ex, if they were her exactly. I was like, are they still together? But they had like five kids. And and I know Dean, like I know, I know. Tori's husband, know. Dean. He looks so different in this movie. I, I did not recognize him. I know. It's him like really skinny and no facial hair. And you're like, it's a totally different person. It's a totally different person with that facial, without the facial hair. I am having, I am having like an existential crisis right now of like, that is who this is. I know. Oh I know. my gosh. Okay. Let me take a, let me take a breath. We'll take a beat and then we will get right into this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so as we've said, this movie was made in 2005, but I am getting 1998 energy from it top to bottom. Okay, when I see 2005, I'm like, oh, okay, that's not that long ago. And it I, is. It's I, a world of what part? It's a world apart. Glance my eyes on this film. I go, we are in, We it might as well be Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> like, it is, it feels so old timey. Especially because there's both Tori's outfit. You guys, she's a prosecutor. She's an at- assistant district attorney. And when I tell you she is wearing 579, she is giving us like yeah. bright pink, like a sweater and a button down where I was like, babe, you're an assistant district attorney. You got to be coming to work. Easter. Easter vibes the whole time. Yeah. Easter brunch gear with, I would say, a large serving of cleavage. Well, of course. Well, of course, honey. You spent that kind of money. You better show it off is how I feel. Uh, exactly. And and the thing is, I want her to win every case because of cleavage. I'm not trying to boob shame her. I no, go, right. how, how, how are we not 47 and 0 on cases for Holly? Also, can we talk about these feathered bangs? Yeah. It was a look. It was of a time. I feel like it was a time capsule. This movie is a time capsule because you know what I was feeling of it? And this is the thing. What this movie reminds me is really the 90s did extend into the aughts, all right? Because this is giving oh, me boy yeah. band. This is giving me Britney, Christina, Mandy yeah. Moore. Like, this is how they dress. Like, she's an attorney, but she's giving us a low-rise jean. 
You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that was the time period. And so, the, even before we see Tori, you guys, the first thing we see are, like, these two teens walking at night. And first, they see, like, a shoe on the ground. It feels like Scream. Well, the point is a woman's body's in the car, okay? We open on a dead body. <laughs> it's in a van. You're like, uh-oh, this is not right, okay? Then, we cut to... I'm going to say the next day. I just know it's daytime, and I'm just going to keep it chronological mm-hmm. and say it's the very next day. And it is, I'm talking bright middle of the day, sunshine, and a man is mm-hmm. brazenly breaking into a car as mm-hmm. Tori Spelling comes out of her building. With like a crowbar, not yeah. one of those like, oh, I know the keypad, or like, oh, I've got this thing where I like push it and then my hip goes in. Like, it's like he is a wet bandit. Like, he is so <laughs> clunky. I know. But the, and then she's like literally coming out of the house and she's like, stop, stop. <laughs> and that woman is Holly Winters, a.k.a. Tori Spelling. So everything about the tone of this film, as we said, we open in the classic Lifetime way, dead body. But it feels like a comedy. Like, there's something about it that's like, we're in this Van Wilder, House Bunny, She's All That. We're having a silly time and there are bodies piling up. I mean, this is the thing. It's like even the even the score is giving you playful romp. But the actual story is political corruption and murder. So it can be a little confusing. Yeah. It can be confusing. I mean, it's even the... Even after this, right? Again, someone just brazenly stealing a car and then waving to her as he drives off. Then we cut to the courtroom where everyone is waiting on Holly Winters. All right? Uh And literally, the judge is like, well, can you call her cell phone? And she's like, I've tried. And then she literally walks in and is like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, Your Honor. I've had a day. And it's like, honey. Yeah. This is, again, and this is that moment where, again, I'm telling you she's the assistant district attorney. I personally didn't know that as a viewer until like no. 40 minutes in. So I'm thinking yeah. to myself, okay, are you a lawyer who advertises on buses? Because I don't, like, I'm just like, are you real? Because the fact that you just came in all kind of late talking about I had a day. And then not only is she late just for work, she is late for the moment the jury delivers a verdict. Like, this is yes. the part where you need to be here, like, early. You should be really leaving early. And and she's got on a pink jacket and <laughs> prints and... <laughs> Her, her, it does, I guess in 2005, this was fine too, because her assistant or like the, the woman who's also on the, the front row with her describes someone as having a Puerto Rican accent. And I'm like, huh, it feels specific. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just think it's funny because after this, she is shocked to find out that the judge found the defendant not guilty. So the first thing we're seeing of Holly is that, like, one, her car would just be robbed right in front of her and she goes, stop. Then she comes in late to work saying, I had a day. So then the fact that she lost her case was not surprising to me. Like, I was literally like, okay, well, you don't seem very good. And based on how these things have played out, you go, that's a bad, that is a bad day. It feels Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. Like, it feels like she's going to freeze and it's going to go, she's going to turn to the camera and shrug and go, that's Holly. <laughs> like, it's so silly. So she leaves the courtroom and an older gentleman, could be her father, comes up to her. He is a lawyer, John Murphy. And he is asking her out for like what we gather is the umpteenth time. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Bold. Wow. Bold. It's wild how bold it is, especially because it's like, not only is she about 15 years your junior, she just lost a case. Like, now is not the time 
Like, is yes. it like he's trying to get her while she feels bad? Do you know what I mean? I'm like, sir, you. I know she's like not doing great right now. Don't try to hang out. And the thing is, when I saw John Murphy, I was like, he I, he seems nice. Like, I was like, give him a chance. Like, I agree with all of the boldness that you're saying. And they seem so mismatched in age and temperament and looks. But like, he feels kind, which I do think translates to the bedroom. Yes, he feels safe. But here's the thing. So just after, so like just as John Murphy's trying to get in there and she's like, no, thank you. And she's very nice about it. The defendant's attorney comes down and he's this cocky, honestly, he looks like John Murphy. He looks like Murphy with more money. Right. And, but not hot. No, no, And no. also old. Yeah, no, not and, hot and also old. Old and, has, and he's like <laughs> being really smug, you know, very like kind of in her face about him winning. And so you're kind of like, okay, every man around you is trash. But then, so I'm thinking, okay, Holly's right about all these men. They're they're awful. She goes back to her boss, uh, the DA, and he yells at her for losing the case. And then she's like, I gotta go. I have somewhere to be. Like, she realizes it's five o'clock because she has somewhere to be. She said, I have some briefs to look over. <laughs> and then it cuts to... Oh, my God. Grant Rogers and her having a wildly silly but also kind of graphic sex scene. This is the opposing counsel who was the asshole, you yes. guys. I have to underscore. I have to underscore. Right. And that is why we brought up how ugly he was. <laughs> if he had just been a man in this film, we're not doing that. Yeah. It's too early for us to be off on a tangent about men's looks. I, Naomi, the flash was so quick. I know. You know how sometimes in Lifetime movies, they'll something will happen. Like someone will snap and they'll like stab someone with an ice pick while they're yeah, at yeah, like yeah. A, a luncheon and then they come to and it was like a vision yes, they had. Yes, yes. And it's like, oh, okay, that did seem like a little out of character or left field. This is one of those. Right. Like I'm like, there is no way right. that these two are having sex. Absolutely. And, and the reality is they are. And, and it's not just like it, they are having an affair and Holly wants him to leave his wife for her. But let's talk about, no, I'm sorry. We just have to unpack this sex scene again because the same way Megan said it's a flash, what you are seeing, y'all, is this, you flash to, it's, it's Tori, aka Hollywood, just on the bed. And it's like, she is enjoying it to a comical degree. Okay. And yeah. then you cut to Grant's face again, almost like from her POV. So like you're, he's above you, the viewer, which is jarring and very off-putting. It's her horrifying. And he goes, you're so delicious. Ew. And so I'm thinking, so my thought was like, oh, this must be his fantasy, right? Because again, we've established that yes. the men want her. And so he was just being an asshole. And so then I'm thinking, thinking oh, okay. Of course he's fantasizing like, oh, I beat her in a case and like having sex with her. So it's even wilder when this all like, continues to happen and it's not you don't pop back to like you know grant eating a sandwich or her having a nightmare or her have or her waking up with her face like on a law review book going oh my god i mean she and she's like mad that he hasn't told his wife about them which is like what do you yeah. think he's gonna do and we learned that she was cheated on by her ex and at this point y'all i am feeling like holly winters is a loser i don't i feel yeah. so sad for her. It's like, you can't even win the case and you sneaking out the back of the hotel as ugly ass Grant's side piece? Holly, you are an assistant district attorney and you are gorgeous. You deserve better. Get it together. And so like at this point, the only prospects we've seen are Murphy and Grant. <laughs> and you go, Murphy's the better option based solely on the fact that he's not married. Right. 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 It is so, I, I I'm like, 
I truly, Naomi, I went back two minutes in time in the movie because I was like, I must have missed something. No, I, know, I must I know. have missed. Did she already have the head trauma? I was so confused. I know. I know. Sad. And then so I watched I watched that sex scene like three times <laughs> just to go. Is this real? <laughs> Oh, God. So then we see Grant Rogers on the news. Not only is he a a very powerful defense attorney, he's also the campaign manager for a U.S. senator who's up for re-election. And I said, isn't that a full-time job? I know. That's what I'm like. Can you moonlight as a campaign manager for U.S. Senate? Maybe we're talking school board, but I'm like, U.S. Senate feel, and and this guy is on track to be the new Senate majority leader. So it's like, this is an important senator. Yeah. Yeah. And and Grant just, that's his side gig? I don't think so. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And so Holly's seeing all this. She's in a 7-Eleven, basically. It's at night. And again, it's like, baby girl, you done snuck out the back of a hotel. Now you're getting dinner at 7-Eleven. I just felt like, like, Holly, you could do better. And she's leaving the convenience store, and we see a car plat like the headlights, it looks like it plows into her. But uh, when she does wake up in the hospital, and yes, as Megan did point out, and I clocked it too, she does have a toe ring. And this is what I'm talking <laughs> about, about the about the aughts being the aughts. 90s. 2005 <laughs> is 1998, because she is wearing a toe ring. The assistant district attorney. To, like, run her. I'm, and it wasn't one of those toe... I, I've actually never worn a toe ring. Never bought no, one, never yeah. going to. And it's one of those toe rings that doesn't go past, like, the toe knuckle. It's just at the, the top of the toe. Well, her toes are too short. Like, most people's toes... Like, here's the problem. If your toe is long enough for a ring, it's a weird toe. Most toes are too short for a ring. That's the thing. <laughs> I'm it was so what, ten, funny. 10 minutes in and my whole worldview is shook. I know. Now we see her. She's in sort of this fog of what I thought the Grant Rogers sex scene was where it's like she's in a dreamlike state. Well, this is what I'm saying. This is the problem. Is it a dream or is it not? This is where this movie does bump me a couple times because it's like, what is this happening? Or she imagined it happening. I still think it's happening. Yeah. So she's wandering around the hospital. The lighting is different, though. You know, it's got sort of like fog dream vibes going. It's, a, yeah, the bluish gray. And her, her hair and makeup is flawless. Like, she doesn't, there's not a bandage on her head. There's not a bump. There's like, if you bring her into a hospital, they go, get her out of here. She, we, we don't have room for <laughs> this hot blonde lady. Like, she's perfectly fine. And she's wandering around this hospital and she sees a doctor and a nurse sort of going through like the patients they have and what's going on. And when they are not speaking physically, like their mouths are closed, she can still hear what they are quote unquote saying. How's your shift? Pretty quiet. Yours? Yeah. Uneventful. Yeah, except for that little roll in the hay with Lucy on the third floor. Are you kidding me? That's good. She's hearing thoughts, you guys. She's hearing thoughts. And it also seems, and this is the thing, it's like, okay, she's hearing thoughts, which is like, okay, that's obviously a new thing. But as she's standing around, no one ever notices her, looks to her, says, where are you? What's happening? Why is there a patient loose? You know, this is one of my issues with films across every genre. You cannot just be loose in a hospital. Like, we have to stop that rigmarole. We do not have folks loosey-goosey like this. I know, I know. So then, of course, the fact that no one says a word is like, okay, maybe this isn't happening. But the next morning, she's in the hospital. The doctor comes in. He's looking like a young douche bro. Young douche bro. Yeah, and he's the same doctor from her 
vision slash was it real, was it not? Exactly. But he, the whole point is, my thing is like, when he walks in that room, I'm thinking, uh-uh, bring me something else. Bring me somebody Already? else. Already? Because he looking like he fresh out of school and he probably graduated with a C minus. You see what I'm saying? Because that's still a passing grade, but that's not the doctor you want. I'm going to tell you that wow. right now. Okay? Because he comes in just like real like, hey, oh my God, you got, whew, you had some head trauma. Like, it's just very like, okay, I'm going to need you to be a bit more professional. And basically, when she was trying to avoid the car, she hit her head. <laughs> Which is so Holly. It's so Holly to get injured while not even... Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just said that. Now I'm thinking, is this a precursor? Was this the inspiration for That's So Raven? No. <laughs> that's So Holly? Do we think That's So Holly was really what inspired That's So Raven? Because it's very similar vibes. Then we have an intellectual property case on our hands because... <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. We can, be, we can be lawyers like Holly. Let's call Michael. Let's call Michael. Get him on the case. <laughs> Oh my God. She's like, first of all, he's like, follow. It's funny because he's like, let me, you know, follow my pen with your eyes. And when I tell you she is moving her whole head and not doing it, I was like, ma'am, you are not showing signs of life. Then she's trying to explain what happened and like her weird dream. And then listen to this. I woke up and, and I needed a nurse, but there wasn't one around. So I got up to go find one. And? And. I went to the nurse's station. Mm. I think you were there. Mm. I was in your dream. <laughs> I'm flattered. The strangest part was, even when the two of you weren't talking, I swear I could hear what you were thinking. Man, she's got a great body. What? What? What'd you just say? Nothing. I didn't say anything. You did? No, I didn't say anything. I, I thought you just said something. No, I was, I was listening. Never mind. Now, to be fair, she is describing what she thinks is a dream, which no one ever wants to hear. And he's like, so he's like, and then what? And then what? And like, men are so simple. I once had a man tell me if you go, oh, my God, you were in my dream. They automatically are like, she wants to have sex with me. Even if it's like you were a mechanic, <laughs> you were, you know, throwing poop at my face. You just say you were in my dream and they go, ah, they want to have sex with me. So I think that's like a little bit wow. what Holly was tipping to this douche bro doctor well he was checking out her body while he was like i don't even know what taking her checking her breathing listening to her lungs listening to her lungs and like feeling on her body and i was like oh my god that is a nightmare a true nightmare these doctors really do have power and can do anything and i said please don't let him put a sedative in her iv okay he's a creep then something even strange more strange happens she's being discharged because she's perfectly fine the next day though so she's got a whole nother night which is insane and he asks like a pretty innocuous question is anyone picking you up tomorrow and it just cuts to her and she goes <laughs> what what is happening it's like what why is she giggling and why do we hold? Did she think that was a pickup line? Like, it was so bizarre. And then we cut to her friend picking her up. Thank God. The the doctor is not in charge of her anymore. Right, right. So then the next day, we see Holly's assistant slash maybe paralegal, Rachel. Uh, we don't really know what she does. She's just like her right-hand woman. She is of Asian descent. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's what they do. It's like, like my my of color friend yeah. who would be like it's like what do you do exactly she drives her home and then this is where the pieces start to come together for me because we see a magazine in the mail like in her stack of mail 
with Grant Rogers in the cover, and the magazine is called Cincinnati Now. And I said, okay, no wonder her best options are Murphy and Grant Rogers. We are Cincinnati. Sorry if you in Cincinnati, but you can tell us. You can tell us. Are the men fine? No. Do you have a lot of options if you're an assistant district attorney? Naomi, have you ever been to Cincinnati? No, I have not. I do not care for it. I do not care for it, and I'm fine being on record saying that because I am from um, here. This is what goes down in the Midwest, okay? There's Chicago, and then there's all the other cities. Chicago's mm-hmm. the top of the heap. That's the king of the castle. That's the Midwestern apex. <laughs> but then you got these other Midwestern cities like Cincinnati, St. Louis, and they think they're something, and they're not. Mm. They're the least something you've ever met. Indianapolis, Indianapolis knows its place. It goes, listen, we're nice, we're clean. It's a fun place to have a convention. St. Louis acts like they invented oxygen. And it's like, St. Louis, you suck. Cincinnati, you really suck. You both suck big time. Mm -mm. And so uh, Cincinnati is bad, but there's not a chance in hell that they're putting ugly lawyers on the cover of magazines there. I will go to bat on that. What? Uh, Well, she also has this giant bouquet of flowers waiting for her. And so Holly calls Grant, thinking the flowers are from him, because after all, she is his side piece and she was in the hospital for two days. So I think it's a fair assumption. And it said, from your favorite admirer. So it's like, yeah, he didn't sign it because they're having an affair. And like, but yeah, he was just inside her. They better be from him. Exactly. But then she calls him and he like ices her out. He's like, yes. Look, I know I'm not supposed to call you at home, but I just want to tell you I got the flowers. So beautiful. Lance, who are you talking to? Dinner's ready. What? Who are you talking to? Get off the phone. Oh, it's uh, it's some solicitor. I'm sorry, we're not interested at this time. I mean, oh my lord! And then you hear his wife, Grant's wife, in the background is like, "Dinner's ready. Get off the phone." First of all, it's blazing light outside. Like I'm convinced it's noon, so I don't even know why dinner is ready. <laughs> Maybe this is why Grant is cheating. He's like, I want to eat with <laughs> someone. I need to be with someone who eats after 4 p.m. But but also, like, I don't know. Your husband is a lawyer. Everything about Grant rings so false to me. Your husband, yeah. someone calls your house and your husband's talking to them. You are not like, who is it? Exactly. He's a lawyer, bitch. Let him take a call. I mean, it is it is his mistress. So, like, maybe that's why the <laughs> wife is keyed up because, like, he cheats a lot. You know, like, I guess yeah, I need to yeah. I guess I need to factor that in. But it's like if someone calls CJ and he's on the phone, you think I care? No, I don't care. Call him. I know. I know. <laughs> you can call him in the so, middle of dinner. I go, get out of here. Who cares? Holly gets back to work and her boss and her boss is like a petite, older black man. He's a guest of district attorney, and he's very funny I to me. I love him. Whole character where it's like, you're, like, not the DA. No. Like, there's, like, I don't know. He's just, like, too much of a character, way too volatile. He's, like, kind of unhinged at times, but he's very funny. And the fact that him and Tori are, like, pals. Are t- is a like, duo? In what world? Like, the, the pairings. You go, this, D, this DA's office is headed for trouble. <laughs> I think he's, like, one of those where I'm, like, This is oh, Cincinnati. Yeah. Cincinnati. I go, I bet he really turns it on for donors, though. You know, like, he seems, he's always unhinged, but then, like, I think when it's time, he puts his suit coat on and is like, we're going to put the right men behind bars. Like, I bet he's good at press conferences and when he needs people to get open those pocketbooks. The thing about her boss is because, like, she gets back to work again after being in a car accident, being in the hospital. And he goes, how was your time off? And it was like, 
sir, you know she was in the hospital, okay? And then he, and then she gets to her office and it's filled with brand new case files. He's like, get back to work. And you're like, okay, just calm down. Now, but here's where it gets confusing. So we see Holly's in court arguing a case and the defendant is the guy who stole her car in the opening scene. Hector Colon. Yeah, but like, that's not. How allowed. is that possible? That's not allowed. You're not allowed to be on that case. This is why I'm saying Cincinnati is not good. She needs to be taken off that case. And and <laughs> his name's Hector Colon, right? Yes. I love him. I know that he is our, supposed to be, you know, a criminal and a villain. He is such a fun character. And he brings such light to this movie that whenever he's on the screen, I go, he's great. Now, his attorney is John Murphy. And so she ends up having like a little chat with John Murphy afterwards. And she hears his thoughts because this is her new skill. But she hasn't figured out this is her skill yet. She hears her thoughts his thoughts and realizes the flowers she was sent were actually from him. She's also hearing all the thoughts in the courtroom. So she's like hearing the judge basically be like, I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. Like, so she's hearing all that stuff. And so she's like, wait, what? What's happening? And then she starts clutching her head because she's just like, I'm having a headache. I'm going crazy. And she doesn't really understand. And I think it's like not until she hears Murphy's thoughts that she's like, oh, this is because she's like the flowers are for you and then of course everyone's like what are you talking about you know like they never know what she's saying as though it's like they didn't just think what they thought okay then we cut to holly jogging alone i said during the day thank god you know what i mean at least if she's going to be jogging please let it be in the bright sun when people can see you yes and she's in a sports bra and and like low-rise gym pants and it is i see this and i go cincinnati can't take this like this is too she would have a flock of men chasing after her which kind of does end up happening because a hot dean mcdermott aka max walks up to her while she's jogging which it's like so were you just following her i don't know and he is a detective and he said he's there to talk to her about hector cologne the cart the guy who stole her car that she is now in charge of prosecuting obviously a conflict of interest. And not only did he steal her car, they also found some stolen credit cards on him. And unfortunately for Hector, those stolen credit cards belong to the dead body of the woman we saw in the opening scene. Okay, so now the stakes are being (laughs) raised. Now, I know that I just said I love Hector Cologne. I do not believe Hector Cologne (laughs) murdered this woman. I think he is a petty theft criminal. And, you know, in the year of 2023, I look the other way on that. Right, 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 right. But then we cut to Holly. Again, this is why I don't understand. Holly and the cop, right? So the assistant district attorney who has prosecuted the man who stole her own car (laughs) is in the, is in an interrogation room with Hector and Murphy. You know, Murphy basically is a public defender. And so again, I don't know why Holly's allowed to be in here. And they're asking him basically, you know, about the dead woman. And she can hear Hector's thoughts. She knows he's lying, but then how is she going to prove it, right. right? So it's like this weird, just like, he's he's lying. But then it's like, well, how do you know? And she's like, ah! And then like the next day we see the front page of the paper has Hector's face. And basically, they're saying he's the he's the person who killed the girl. Yeah. So then his her boss, Julian, is pissed because it's like, how did this get to the press? How is this being adjudicated in the court of public opinion? Like, you know, it's a lot of levels. And, you know, at which point I just think if Holly wasn't in her form-fitting Easter outfits, she would have been fired by now. Yes. Because things are not really coming together. Everyone blames her for talking to the press because she can hear their thoughts, but she's not the one who did it. But again, in a world where... 
you are late to the verdict. You are over here prosecuting people who stole your own car. I just don't know. I just feel like she's a liability. She's a liability. She is. And now we see her clearly hearing voices in her head. And I don't know if you've ever been around someone that's like, you know, we've all w- walked down a street and been like, well, that person's going through it. Imagine that person is now a prosecutor. Like, that's a lot of factors going into forming this person, this Holly, ho- Holly's personality. OK, so her and Max, they seem kind of to be hitting it off, though, because he drops her off and he like lingers. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, well, just watching to make sure you get in, which is what all men should do. All people, all men, women and children. If someone's going to a car, you need to make sure they get into that car and pull away. But you know what I'm wondering? And this never comes to fruition for the whole film. Holly never hears Max's thoughts. I know. That was the thing I thought was like really strange that they never gave us any of that and her trying to use it or make it a thing where it's like, why can't I hear his? You know, it would look, it was a hole. They couldn't have her read everything. It was a, it was a hole. Yeah. Because we also like, do we ever really hear Julian's thoughts? The boss? No. No, the thoughts go very in and out. And there's whole chunks of the movie where she doesn't hear a thought for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, wait, so is it right. what is going like it? I don't know. But now also the movie theme, I feel like we're in liar, liar. Like it's so <laughs> silly. <laughs> so silly. OK, so cut to my favorite character, Hector Cologne. He is being strangled in his jail cell, but we don't see who did it. Yeah. So that's not good for Hector. Then here's another thing I never really understood. The next morning, Max is picking up Holly to go questioning. Again, why is she in this? Because now this ain't even about her stolen car. So now I really don't know why the assistant district attorney would come on an investigation. An assistant district attorney reads the results of the investigation. They don't go walk in the streets with the cops. Anyway, Holly has Max stop at a psychic? who might have information, and I don't really know why she's supposed to have information. That's the thing. I might have missed something, but honestly, I don't care because they walk into her room. And her name is Madam Espy. And I just want it noted that the SBs are also the ESPN Awards show. <laughs> and I've written on them, you know, so it's like I, I when I saw her name, I got excited. They go to Madam Espy's and Max does not want to meet her, which makes perfect sense. He is like a detective and I, this seems kind of um, against protocol. And Madam Espy has like a very strong unknown accent maybe maybe some sort of like i don't know a moroccan accent but she's a white woman no megan <laughs> it's not moroccan what is she is like giving us she's almost giving us vaguely eastern european you know that's 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 what i meant oh that's what you meant by moroccan i think this so. girl reads a book a week i think that is what i meant <laughs> <laughs> but you're missing my favorite part which is that Holly walks in and Madam Espy immediately starts communicating telepathically with her. Mm-hmm. And they start to have a conversation while wa- circling each other, literally yes. walking in a circle. Can you really tell what I'm thinking? Of course. Madam Espy hears all. We're still in the room here, ladies. Ladies. Hello. We're still in the room here. Lieutenant. And then Max being like, what are you doing? Which is, <laughs> I think, my favorite part. Because he was like, we walked in a room and now these women are silently staring at each other as they walk in a circle. And there's no explanation. <laughs> you know, Max was like, 
am I about to have sex with both of these women? Like, it did seem like they were like, and, you know, they sort of had their head down, like they were circling each other like they were prey. And so then Max is like, we got to get out of here. He drags her, like, you know, she's got those psychic beads that hang down. So he pulls Holly into like the, the entryway and starts openly talking shit about Madam SB. And there's not a, there's only beads. And I'm like, Max, listen, I know you don't trust the psychic. A psychic seems like a bad person to like wrong though, because they can unleash spirits on you. They could throw a crystal at your head. Like, why don't we just try and be nice to them? And I know that that's me speaking as someone who lives in Los Angeles. Like, let's just be nice to the witches. Okay. Don't, you don't want a witch mad. But then, but here's the thing though. So then they go with the psychic to the van that was stolen. The van, the body was found in. And the psychic tells Holly, it's like, just focus on it. Like, you can feel, you can feel the energy. Because basically, Madam SB can sense that Holly has a power. Mm-hmm. And I said, is this why they came here? I still don't know why they were talking to her in the first place. No clue. But you know what? Holly does start to get flashes of what happened. She sees, like, a man dragging a body, but she can't see the man. So I'm like, that's not helpful. But then she goes to her boss and is like, I saw them. I saw the murderers. And my first thing is just like, I'm sorry, but how is I had a vision admissible as evidence? This one don't make no sense. Listen to her try to explain. Have you heard of something called psychometry? Say what? It, it's this process where um, you get a vibe just, just by touching something. And Max and I, we, we, we found this expert on it, and she taught me how to hone in on the aura surrounding the van in order to flash back to the night of the murder. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Who put you out to bed? Come on. You can tell me. Listen. Holly. Holly, Holly, Holly. <laughs> Remember when you got back from the hospital and you asked me to not treat you any differently, so I gave you that big old pile of work? <laughs> I was wrong. I was wrong. I mean, you're doing a great job, you know, but I, I think maybe you're pushing yourself a little too hard. Why don't you, uh, why don't you take some, a few more days off, huh? Go see a movie. Just forget about all of this. Julian. No, 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 don't, don't, don't say, don't say anything. Just, 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 just do it. I think that's the correct response. Julian is correct. Yes, it it <laughs> it is the correct response, but it's also like, okay, Holly, you have why don't you reverse engineer it now? Like you saw the vision, you can at least go, okay, they were leaves. They were in a forest. <laughs> like you like can't you track those clues instead of just straight to Julian? And it's like, yeah, you do have a head trauma. You do have a head trauma. So Grant calls Holly after days of silence. (laughs) The last time they spoke, he said, we're not interested and was pretending she was a solicitor. And this is a woman who spent days in the hospital. And he's like, listen, I got to see you. I can make time in a few days. And she's like, no, it's over. It's like adamant that it's over. Cut to them having sex that same afternoon. 
And I'm like, what? we're in like a Marriott. Ew. And I'm so upset. So then they are having sex. He calls her delicious again. I hope they used the same scene. Like, I hope they were just like, Tori, you don't need to go through that again. We'll just clip it from the <laughs> earlier scene and make it seem like it happened again. So he calls her delicious. And then they're doing like sex talk to each other. And she, and he's like, oh, you're great. You're, And she goes, say it again. And he's like, what? Say what again? And then stops having sex with her because she was reading his mind at the time. But it's like, we've had sex with men. There's nothing that would make them <laughs> stop having sex. Like there is, I mean, exactly. I'm sure there are some things I don't mean to drag them all. But it's like, it's not like, wait, you said I said something I didn't say. And he acts like it's so put out by it. Yeah, he's so, he can't, he can't take it. No, he can't go on. She is still continuing to read his mind. And his mind says that he's never going to leave his wife for her. And so she kicks him out of the hotel room throws his clothes out at him. There's a, a, a cleaning lady there watching it all. I love that. And then Holly has this thing. It's only ever in movies where the sheets are perfectly tied in like a strapless gown. <laughs> like it's like there is no sheet that you could tie that would look that. It looks like a Vera Wang wedding dress. Like it is like Form fitted to her body. She's not even having to hold it. She's like rushes over. She gets a phone call and it's Detective Max and he needs her to meet him at a bank ASAP. I think it is so funny that of all of the behavior Grant has displayed, it's just him being like, her hearing him go, like, I'm leaving my wife. That she's like, oh my goodness, now it's really not going to happen. It's like, Holly, honey, you've been a side piece for how long? He disrespects you in the courtroom. He literally lets you get hit by a car and left in the hospital and don't say nothing. I also think given their working relationship, they're not, she's going to lose her job. Like if it comes out that these two had an affair, he's a defense attorney. No one cares what he does. Like, it's like, cool. He's getting (laughs) high fives. But it's like, you're the assistant DA who, as we've said, might already be on thin ice. And you're having an affair with a married defense attorney. Holly, you're going to have to leave Ohio. Okay. You're going to have to, you're going to be posted up in Grand Rapids trying to be a public defender there at best. <laughs> it's so true. Especially because, you know, again, she loses to him. So then it'll be like, okay, did he, did you give him all the did information the we case? all have been together? Because he yeah, is like, you so bad. So it's like, I don't even think you could be doing this. And so, but then anyway, look, Holly goes and meets Detective Max, okay? And what we're seeing is the dead woman has a safety deposit box filled with $50,000 in cash and jewelry. Okay? Okay? So now we know something. She wasn't just any old regular girl who was murdered. She was obviously into something dangerous, okay? Yes, And at some point, and we skipped over it because this dead woman is actually not that interesting to us based on the other wacky things happening in this film. Absolutely. It was revealed. I believe her name is Catherine Davis. Yeah, she's Catherine. Catherine. And she worked for the governor. So everyone who is in this film basically knows her because they all work in local politics. So there's no, like when they see this amount of money, they're like, no one who is on a public salary just has 50K floating around. Well, this is why we know too, right? Because after that, they go to meet with Catherine's roommate and the and the roommate won't say, you know, basically, of course, she says like, you know, was Catherine seeing somebody? What was her life like? She won't say anything, but Holly starts to get flashes of Catherine with Senator Sinclair. 
the man who's running for re-election. Okay? And I need you to know that this is this is actually the moment when we hear that Holly is the assistant district attorney. We are 40 minutes into the motion picture. That is halfway. And that's when we find out her actual title. And I said to myself, you know, okay, you the ADA. This ain't even about your car anymore. Hector seems to be dead because he was choked in his jail cell. So now she's just kind of tagging along to this, right? Right. And... This Senator Sinclair is who Grant Rogers is moonlighting as campaign manager for. And this, to me, feels the most Cincinnati. There's five people, and they're all the most, like, powerful people in Cincinnati. It's like, we, we can't actually bring in anyone else. So we we cut to the senator's office. We see him getting tipped off that the police and the district attorney's office knows that he had a sexual relationship with Catherine, the dead woman. And he just goes, kill it. Like, kill the story, basically. Right. So now we know he's up to something bad. Okay. It's nefarious. All right. And so instantly, okay, so great. Now we know what the senator do. Now they go to talk to the senator's right hand, the guy who had come in earlier. Like the next day, Holly and Max go to talk. It's where I'm like, Max, don't you have a partner? Like, I just feel like, why is Holly with you this whole time? And I wonder if this is the movie where they made love. Because she's hot. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's because she's hot. And so he's like, oh, yeah, I I have a partner. It's the ADA that has obvious fake boobs. (laughs) So they go to talk to this assistant. His name is Underwood, which was so interesting to me because Frank Underwood is the politician in House of Cards. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, is that just like the go-to politician name? Okay. First of all, Underwood looks naturally slimy. His hair is very slicked back. He's got that kind of like drowned prince look where he's an adult man, but he looks like a 12-year-old boy from, you know, the time of plagues. And as he's talking, she's like, of course, hearing his thoughts, which like, play it cool. They don't have anything. And then Holly sees flashes of a fight. And this is what we're getting. This is what you seem to get. When Holly's talking to someone, she can see their memories or their visions. So she basically sees Underwood walk in on a fight between Catherine and Senator Sinclair. And they're in a hotel room and she's in the bed. So, (laughs) you know, something is going on. Okay. And so after that, Holly goes to Julian, you know, her boss, and is like, we got to bring the senator in. And for some reason, Julian says, go ahead. And I'm like, I don't think you have any evidence. I think what you have is Holly having visions. And I don't understand how that's useful in a court of law. But somehow, we see the senator, he's coming to court. Of course, the press is everywhere. And who is by his side? But his campaign manager, Grant Rogers, who is also the senator's attorney. What? What? I'm sorry, Grant got too many jobs. He got too many jobs. He got too many side pieces. This man cannot be trusted. I'm about to lose my mind. Megan, we have got to take a break because I can't take it. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, we are back. Grant is still terrible <laughs> and has 7,000 jobs. It's like we need to call, <laughs> we need to get the labor. National Labor Board in here to be like, Grant, you're working too hard. You know, how do you have time for all this sex? You know, Grant is taking Viagra. Like, I, I, Grant, Grant has the vibes of someone who's like doing all this and then like probably takes Viagra, has a heart attack and dies at like his second mistress's house. And Holly then finds out like there's a whole other mistress too. That is what, like, if there was a sequel, that's what Grant's. Uh, life would go into. Okay, so Julian, boss Julian, who we love, he he basically tells Holly, love you, you're great. You're not. <laughs> so I'm going to be, I'm going to be lead. I'm going to go to court on this case and you're going to be second chair with me. And Holly's like, okay. And it's like, Holly, we need Julian. Like, I hate to, I hate to break it to you, believe in women, but like Julian is better than you at this. <laughs> We cut to the courtroom. They are doing jury selection. And now Holly is back hearing people's thoughts. Like mm-hmm. we've gone, we, we've gone a big chunk without her hearing thoughts, but still having visions. And they're basically like interviewing this like older white woman that's like, I don't vote because I don't want to be involved in politics. And then she looks over at the senator. The senator is vile, by the way. <laughs> and she's she's like, what a nice looking man. Oh, he couldn't have done it. What a beautiful smile. I wonder how much he spent on those caps. His teeth are gray. They're nubs. They are gray. They're nubs. The man looks gray so nubs. uncomfortable smiling. You know certain people where like when they smile, it's a very, very, very tiny, I would say 0.00001% of the population, Hetty, who look worse when they smile, John Hamm being one of them. He looks like he smiles and it just... I was like, you look like a creature from the deep. I need you to stop. I don't know how this is helping. But for some reason, this woman is like, he's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, when I find out that she doesn't vote, I'm like, good. We don't need you <laughs> muddying the voting waters because your opinions are not going to be good. So now we are in full. We're like we're in the back end of a law and order episode. We are now in the court. And. Naomi, I got to be honest, when Julian said bring him in about the senator, I thought he meant for questioning. I did not think like they were booking him because (laughs) there is, like you said, no like Holly has visions. What? This is a U.S. senator who is extremely powerful. And I'm not saying this is right. There's no way he goes to trial for this. Well, also, like, not just it's a U.S. senator. It's an assisted district. It's a district attorney, right? The state has the burden of proof. And the state does not enter into cases they can't win. So you can't have a case where you're like, oh, well, our girl Holly says she had a vent. She saw some people. So that so that we bring him in. It's like, um, excuse me, none of this makes any sense. That is not what the district attorney office does. They literally look and go, can we win this before they even take it to trial? You know I watch my procedurals. You know I know yeah. the system. Yeah. So it makes no sense. And then it's also like, I'm going to tell you this. You know what? There's no evidence about because the senator would not do his own killing. That's not what powerful no. people do. 
He ain't getting his hands dirty. No. Maybe in like a fit of rage, like some sort of like lover's quarrel. But then there's at least two or three people helping to cover it up. Like I'm, right. and I'm talking like physically. Mm-hmm. So there was this weird moment when he was getting out of his car that I did feel like they lingered on his bodyguard's face mm-hmm. that I was like, huh, I wonder if that man is involved. Yeah. Because like, and and when you said like, there's no way he did this himself. It's like, E, that Underwood man cannot be trusted. Right. And then like bodyguard with sunglasses, prime suspect to me now too. Okay, so we cut to, uh, the jury is selected and we cut to opening arguments. Julian's is pretty good and we find out that Holly actually wrote it. So it's like, okay, way to go. And then Grant gets up, this high powered, the top lawyer of Cincinnati and gives this opening argument. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, my client is guilty. That's right, guilty. Of setting himself up as a target. Because he preaches a set of values that some people do not approve of. He has become the subject of smear tactics and complete fabrications about his personal life. But. Even if he were to get up and shout from the rooftop that he had a relationship with Catherine Davis, it would still be irrelevant. Because the charge here is murder. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, do not let Mr. Hasty fool you. You cannot convict someone of murder simply because you suspect that they did something in their personal life that you disapproved of. Otherwise, our jails would be filled with married men and there'd be no room left for criminals. Thank you. Sir, what? what? (laughs) Grant, we get it. You cheat on your wife. I don't know why that's pertinent and why everybody in the room, like every man in the room is an adulterer. Every single man is like, who cares if he slept with somebody else? And also, like, they're like, I hate lawyers. Yeah, we hear those thoughts, too. The thoughts of all the all the men's trying to get it in where they can fit it in. <laughs> Isn't it like, and I'm not a lawyer. I would love to be, actually. That's like you would be my good. dream. You would be good. It, my, thank you. My dream. So, and I know you're <laughs> at home going, Megan, it seems like a pretty attainable dream to go to law school and make it happen. But we're too far down this comedy road. <laughs> so it, it's got to be like lawyer 101 that you don't open your opening argument in defense of your client going, my client is guilty. Like, that has to be somewhere written. But, like, don't do that. He's, <sighs> can you believe he is the most powerful man in Cincinnati? He's the most powerful attorney in all of Cincinnati. And this is really an indictment of Cincinnati. And then also, not just that, so after his terrible opening argument, we then see him, you know, doing some cross-examination of witnesses, and he just yells at them. He just yells at people yep. and doesn't let them get a word in. And apparently that really, like, impresses the jury. Because it's basically like, I guess he just sort of insinuates a question, but he does like, it's just like, why are you yelling at everybody? Why don't you just let people answer questions? I just like don't get it. He's such a bull in a china shop that I can't believe he's supposed to be good at his job. It's it's really baffling. And now that you said it's an indictment on Cincinnati, it's like I didn't even I didn't even need to come for Cincinnati. <laughs> this grant comes for them enough <laughs> just by being successful there. Okay. So then the the prosecution has has rested, right? Is that what the prosecution the prosecution rests? Okay, yes. <laughs> and so then 
the defense. It's time for them to show Sinclair's defense. And their one and only witness is Senator Sinclair. What? Naomi, we know that this is not good. It's like (laughs) so stupid. And the thing is, basically, they're like, and here's what they're relying on. The, because he is a politician, he is a smooth talker. He can twist anything. So they're basically just bringing him up thinking he's going to razzle-dazzle everybody by being being famous. You know what I mean? But then, like, as he's telling his lies, Holly is getting flashes of the truth. You know, she's seeing images of Senator Sinclair and Catherine hooking up, him giving her jewelry, them arguing, you know, her being with him in a, at an event. Or she's, like, kind of, she's there, but, like, not with him, but with him, you know? And then mm-hmm. them fighting, you know? And so... She she's starting to get what really happened, but again, how can you prove any of this? You you can't. But then the next day, literally they're about to start, and Grant comes in. And he's like, "I call a recess. Information has come to my attention." And in walks Madam Espy, the psychic. Wow. And it's important to note Moroccan accent gone. Now replaced with a Long Island accent. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, which one do we believe? So Grant says that she helped in the case and using a psychic is prosecutorial misconduct. (laughs) You guys, I don't read. (laughs) I never read a book. I've never read a book. No, you just read it in your head. You know what the word is, but you don't say it out loud. It's all lies. Once upon a time, there was a pretty girl in Indianapolis with long flowing hair. Look, I read a book this week. (laughs) Okay. Prosecutorial? Uh Uh-huh. All right. I love it. It just is hard. Okay. So you're not allowed to use a sidekick, which, come on, y'all. Let's have some fun. (laughs) (laughs) They say reading minds is a violation of like a reasonable expectation of privacy. That's the whole thing. <laughs> so then, but this is the whole thing, because here's the problem, because at first I was like, wait, why does Grant even know Madam Espy? It's because Madam Espy out here writing a book. Basically, you know, this is yeah. all in the news, and she's basically saying, I helped, I helped, you know, bring justice to this case, and is using it as her calling card. So she flips on Holly, basically. Yes. Like, it's like, Madam Espy, you're going to go after your girl that you are able to have a conversation in your head with? That's your best friend. <laughs> But then, of course, everyone's like, this can't be real, right? So, because it's basically, okay, this woman is saying these things, but these powers aren't actually real. But then she is, the judge asks Madam Espy to prove her skill. So she has to read the judge's mind. It's like, read my mind now. And first of all, she does, she reads it correctly. But what the judge is thinking about is some party he went to back in law school where something Obviously, inappropriate happened because he shushes her up real quick. Why is that the thought you're having right now? Do you know what I mean? Like, if someone says, read my mind, I'm, like, counting sheep. It's like a giant punch bowl, if anything. And so then the judge is like, she does have powers. It's like, no, judge, you should go, nope, you don't, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about prosecutorial misconduct. Like, you shouldn't be like, yep, I I put my balls in the punch bowl at Stanford. You're an idiot. (laughs) So, of course, Julian is, like, livid by this whole thing. And he immediately is like, Holly, you can't read minds. You you can't possibly. Even though, again, Julian, you're the district attorney. Shouldn't you have been verifying this evidence, homegirl walking in and her goddamn East outfits at work every day saying, oh, I know this, I know this. Can you tell me how you know it? You ain't get no paperwork. You ain't get no signed affidavits. Make it make sense, Julian. But Julian's up for re-election in 15 months. And so he's he's just like, I got this blonde lady with big boobs and I'm going to ride her all the way to re-election and not physically ride her because Grant is already doing that. <laughs> so he makes Holly swear under oath 
that she can't read minds. It's like literally we're having another trial in the middle of the trial during the recess. Yeah. And she cannot yeah. do it. Okay. She's like, I can't swear. And so then, of course, this now makes everything fall apart. But as all of this is happening, she has the bright idea to go to Hector Cologne's jail cell to try and do what she did with the van, you know? So she she goes there. There's uh, She feels the wall for blood. And then she starts having the visions of what happened. And she finally sees Hector's killer's face. It comes to her, like, very clearly. And you know what she says? I can't place him. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I thought it was going to be, you know, you would think it would be like Murphy or like someone whose face we've seen. (laughs) Nope. I can't place him. It was (laughs) also we are back in the same problem, which is you can't admit evidence of a vision. What are we doing? Like, we got to start getting these visions to translate it to concrete evidence. This is the problem we're having. You keep seeing stuff. But what's seeing stuff going to do in a court of losses? So it's like. Okay, so this is all happening. Holly's literally, the case is about to fall apart. Like, it will be dismissed. (laughs) So it's like, things aren't going great. And then that night, Max drives her home. And this time, he walks to her her door and kisses her. And I just, I did not understand why it was happening, besides the fact that she's Tori Spelling. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is a woman who is, like, not very good at her job. She's claimed she's a psychic. She's jeopardized the case that they've worked on together, the one time they meet and work. I just am not, other than her being hot, I don't get it. Yeah. He doesn't seem to, like, be impressed with her in any way. Like, he's never like, wow, Holly, that was a great idea. Like, right. it's, we do find out that Max is divorced and had has kids, but it's, like, sometimes in there, I don't know. I think Holly is the most eligible bachelorette in Cincinnati. She just is. And that's another indictment on Cincinnati. <laughs> But now, okay, then she's she's in her house, you know, after they've had that nice kiss and she's like talking and she's talking about literally just talking to herself where she goes, oh, my God, full-time job. I need a bodyguard. And then her saying the word bodyguard makes her yep. realize where she knew Hector Cologne's killer. He's the senator's bodyguard. Isn't that what you said, Megan? That's what I said. You did it. I didn't put it together. Sunglasses. I didn't recognize it. Oh. Well, it was just because the camera lingered on him. And I go, that they they would have to pay extra for that. So they're only showing this man <laughs> if, it, if it matters. So she tries to go to her phone, but the phone is dead, which is like, even in 2005, we were having these funny little, like, in 2005, you, I guess your charge goes out in 30 minutes, you know? This is still when, like, <laughs> the car phones were a thing. Oh, my gosh. I remember when my mom got a car phone. Okay. So her phone is dead. And at that moment, someone breaks in. She's trying to escape. And then who is at the back door? Slick back hair Underwood. And he has a gun, too. So it's two folks, y'all. It's her front door. And what she is, she hears for a second the thought of someone being like, almost in or whatever, like someone's coming in. So she runs to the back. So they have got her, honey. And to me, I thought that was smart. Killers never come in pairs and work the front and the back. Well, it's because they killed Catherine Davis together. So this bodyguard in Underwood, they, they're a duo for... For good or for bad. So listen to this. Killers dumping Catherine Davis's body into the back of a van. You know, and as she described it, I I couldn't help but think back to when we actually did it. The look on her face, I knew she knew exactly what was on my mind. Where is she? Oh, uh, well, let's just say the next seance she attends will be from the uh, other side. With you, that doesn't make any sense. 
Everything pointed to Sinclair. The pieces were right there in front of me. I could see them. Well, they had an affair. You were right about that. No, but she resented having to stay out of sight all the time. It, it all came to a head the night of the party. Friend, Catherine, stop! He told her they were through. She said she wasn't going to take a line down. She threatened to expose him. Think, okay? Catherine, wait. Okay. So they did kill Catherine, like, because she was going to ruin Sinclair. And, and so that's like a real aha. It wasn't actually Sinclair. But I'm like, don't you think Sinclair knows they did it? Like, he's not good. Well, that's what I'm saying. He has to have known. He absolutely knew. Yeah. It just wasn't him who made the choices. He may not even told him to do it, right? But, like, he knows it was done and he's part of a cover-up. And he's like, oh, okay. Because in the hotel room, in one of the, like, flashbacks that Holly has, he says to Catherine, I wish you were dead. So it's like, mm, sir, you're bad, too. You know, like, you're not going to, you're not going down for murder, but you're bad. So basically the bodyguard and Underwood are here because they know that Holly knows. And so they're going to kill her and they are going to make it seem like she had an accident when she was jogging and frame it as a robbery. So she is able to fight both of them off, wrestles the gun away <laughs> and shoots the bodyguard like at close range. Like it's yeah. like right in his stomach. And right as she's about to shoot Underwood and she's like, please don't make me do it. Please don't make me do it. Max comes in and he shoots Underwood instead, which I guess like she didn't want to have to do it and she didn't have to. But he's not dead. Underwood somehow is alive. They just shot him enough to, I guess, make him stop trying to kill her. and. I mean, immediately after this, we hear sirens. And I said, she must live in a nice neighborhood. Because someone heard a gun. Because basically, she goes, why are you here? And Max is like, after that kiss? So it's like, okay, I guess he, he was just hanging around outside her house. <laughs> it's like, if you were hanging out, if you were outside, then you should have saw the man come in the front door. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's not even making any sense. So cut to Holly. She's back at work. You know, I'm assuming after all this attack, she got some time off. And so she's coming back into the work, into work at the DA's office and everyone's applauding. The whole staff is applauding. This is a beautiful grand building. I'm imagining it's a real DA's office or something because it's got that big government building, high ceiling mm -hmm. ornateness going on. And that's when we mm -hmm. learn that or Underwood is still alive and he's trying to cut a deal and he's going to bring Sinclair down. Good. Good, because I want Sinclair brought down, too. So Holly goes into her office, and she's quit, basically. She's she's packing up. <laughs> Who knows what she's going to do? I mean, bikini model, become <laughs> a, a Bengals cheerleader. The sky is the limit for our favorite nepotism gal. And Julian comes in, and he says he is making her chief ADA, which seems like a position that's fully made up <laughs> just to get because like she's so it's you're just you're the chief assistant I don't know I don't know <laughs> so now but she loves it so she's not she's not gonna leave so then she leaves work she's like walking out and I'm like okay I thought you just got there uh, and everyone clapped for you so I don't know where you're going <laughs> but she <laughs> walks outside she walks outside and Max is waiting for her and she says her powers have gone away. And it's like, okay, we don't really get any sense of why or where. And then Max is like, well, then can I, you know, now this is all over. Can I finally buy you dinner? And then they kiss again. And that's the end of the movie. Wow. But not the end of Tori and Dean's love affair, which went <laughs> on for, gosh, a while. A while. Oh, and yeah. They, 
they were a couple that was constantly in the headlines. So if if mind over murder is how they met, then then thank you for that. And and Lifetime, thank you for this film because it truly was an absolute romp. I had laughs. I had cringe. I I really it, it tickled all all the different buttons for me, Naomi. I'm going to say this, though. Real hero of this movie for me, Murphy. OK, Murphy was just a nice, gentle, older gentleman who said, I'm going to send you flowers in the hospital. I just want to take you on a nice vacation. That's like what he was like mm-hmm. thinking. He, like at one point she reads his mind, he's oh, like, I just yeah. want to take you on a vacation. And I'm just like, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. I think he's the real hero of this motion picture. I think, you know, the real villain, but I think there's so many villains. Uh, certainly um, for me, it wasn't supposed to be about him, but I do think Grant Rogers is evil and I would like him to be brought down next. Yeah, hopefully when Sinclair gets brought down, Grant Rogers is also brought down. I did forget that part where Murphy, when she could read his thoughts, he was like, gosh, she's beautiful. And it's like, so what, who's he with now? He deserves love too. So I'm I'm gonna say he's a great real, real hero. My real villain, the city of Cincinnati, because it, at the core of it, these are the politicians and the power players running this city. And without that power, that Cincinnati has bestowed upon them, none of this would have happened. None of this. Also, you know, another villain, Madam Espy. You can't turn on your girl like that. That's not right. Not okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, now, next week, we got a real one. We got a good one. Wait a minute. Okay, I am seeing Tori and Dean. They met in July 2005. So maybe it was doing this movie. <gasps> it maybe was. this movie is what been. brought them together. It absolutely must have been. Because now now hearing July, it's like, well, Holly was always dressed like it was July. And she was on her way to a barbecue. So that makes sense, too. <laughs> oh, God. Next week, we are coming to you with another movie that is right up my alley, which is, it is, this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm about. And I think you'll enjoy it. This movie is called Sex, Lies, and Murder. Okay? Yes, please. Now, Maggie is the sole survivor of the famed serial killer Cordell Colton and turned her (laughs) tragedy into triumph with a best-selling novel and tenured professorship in criminal psychology. When her husband is caught cheating with a student, her life starts to fall apart. And during a night of drinking, she sleeps with a charming and handsome fan named Kyle. But Kyle isn't who you think he is. And one passionate night, could lead to a deadly end. Okay. Also, Megan, this movie stars Lindsay Hartley, our girl Lindsay Hartley. (gasps) Love Lindsay Hartley. And I want her already to, I want the husband to die. I want Kyle to die. I, Cordell is obviously bad. Cordell Colton also sounds like someone who would be on The Bachelor. Absolutely (laughs) loving sex lies and murder. It's like, Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. You can watch on the Lifetime Movie Club with your subscription or subscribe at LifetimeMovieClub.com. And if you are not subscribed already, what are you doing? You can go to LifetimeMovieClub.com slash podcast for your free trial and watch right along with us. Wow. This has been so fun. I think the perfect way to start 2023 is in 2005, which also felt like 1991. So real time capsule, real travel through back to the future we did today. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for coming into a new year with us. And gosh, I hope all of your resolutions last 
two weeks longer than mine does. <laughs> and we will see you next week for Sex, Lies, and Murder. Bye. Bye. I love a Lifetime movie. If you love Lifetime movies as much as we do, tune into Lifetime and LMN to watch all the new and classic movies that we can't get enough of. Check your local listings to find out what's airing on Lifetime and LMN because it just might be the movie we talk about next. And wait, there's more. Check out the new bomb Lifetime podcast, Crime of a Lifetime, where two amazing hosts take you beyond the headlines of a crime and they get into the nitty gritty twists and turns of the story. Mm, That's my jam. This podcast would not be possible if it was just Naomi and me, for sure. Absolutely not. I Love a Lifetime movie is produced by Aisha Jordan. With sound editing and mixing by The Podglomerate. Executive produced by Jesse Katz. With original music by Blake Maples. And hosted by Naomi and Megan. You should know that by now if you've gotten to this point. You should know that we're the host, okay? <laughs> I, it feels like we don't even need to say it, but we'll put ourselves in the credits. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 